Women, we are at war. And see, sometimes we don't realize that. We, we take so much for granted. We take for granted that someone else is going to pray. Someone else is going to battle for our kids. Leave it to the teachers. Leave it to the leadership in the schools and everything. Leave it to, you know, the pastors. Leave it to, but you have to battle. Every one of us has to battle. We are at war. We need to understand for the first time ever who we are at war with. So many times we're at war with the wrong things, with the wrong people. But there is a real enemy out there, a real enemy that wants to take us out. You see, we have been given all the tools that we ever need from God to defeat the enemy in our life, to defeat the enemy in our family. But so many times we're not tapping into those tools. We're not tapping into the things that God has given us to win the battle in our life. You see, I'm going to talk to you about the Proverbs 31 woman, and I have talked about her many times before. And Because she is just, she astounds me. I mean, she just, I, I think she is the greatest woman alive, and yet I hate her all at the same time, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, it's one of those things I don't want to look, but I can't stop looking, you know. And so, but I love the Proverbs 31 woman, you know, because, you know, so many of us think, how could she possibly exist? But she, but she does, and we can strive to do all the things that she did in today's society and the things that apply to today. Proverbs 31, 10 through 12 31, 10 through 12 says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. It goes on to say in verse 17, She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. Verse 25 says she is clothed in strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. How many of us can laugh in the days of adversity? But this woman who is strong can laugh in the days to come. Verse 29 says, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Wow. I mean, what an awesome woman this is. And so many times we, we don't even try because we don't think we can live up to this woman. And so why bother? But you know what? I want to surpass all that I ever thought that I could ever accomplish. I want to surpass everything everyone thought that I could be when I was growing up. I want to surpass all that was said about me. I want to surpass all that I ever imagined I was capable of. In high school, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, I was this shy, quiet girl. I couldn't stand up in front of a crowd without breaking out in hives all over my body. I mean, to give a report in class was just just utter torment to me. I mean, I could not do it. I mean, I would get sick. I would get nauseous and everything. I want to far surpass all that anyone ever thought that I could accomplish in my my life, more than what I thought I could accomplish. You see, I want to go beyond everything that I was always too afraid to do. I want to accomplish those things that I thought I couldn't accomplish. I want to do whatever God has called me to do, no matter what it costs me to do it. That's what I want in my life. And the only way I'm going to accomplish those things is to go to war for him, to enlist in war. You see, we are under an attack today in our society. We're crazy if we don't think that we are. There is attacks against marriage, even the definition of marriage. There's attacks against whether or not you were born gay or not gay. And let me tell you, you're not born gay. Okay, it is a product of something that has happened to you in your life and a decision that was made. Now, people need freedom and deliverance from that, and we love them. But there are so many attacks on our lives today, but yet we sit back thinking someone else will take care of it. 
Someone else will help make decisions. Someone else, leave it to someone else to pray. You see, we have a choice to either fight or to simply hide or to lay down and give up. Which one will it be? What will we choose? I don't want to lay down and give up. I mean, if somebody breaks into my home, I can guarantee you I'm not just going to lay down and say, take my kids, take my family, take... I mean, I'm going to find the closest thing. He may be stabbed to death with a butter knife, but something's going to happen. You know, I mean, we have to fight for what we truly believe in, what we truly know to be true. You see, in the late 1940s, the U.S. government called all women to step up when the men were sent off to war. At that moment, when women had to go into the workforce, they entered the factories, they made ammunitions and planes, they sold bonds, they changed what they had always been in society, and that was fragile. We are not called to be wimps. We are not called, we are called to be feminine, but we are not called to be wimps. And we have to go to war at times. They change their mindset of always letting everyone else do the dirty work. You see, they stepped up to the challenge. See, I feel tonight, ladies, that God is calling me to call you to war, to call you to a deeper place. You see, I believe that God has raised up girlfriends for our city. Not just for our city, but for the nation. I believe that he has called us to change the mindset, but not just to our church or to our communities or to our cities, but to our homes, to our families. We have to war for our families first before we can war for anybody else. You know, I have to war for my children. I have to war for my marriage. I have to war for me before I can war for anybody else. But you see, as I have studied the Proverbs 31 woman for years, and I have spoke on her for years and years, I have wondered at times, who in the world is this woman? I mean, did she really exist? I mean, and I have thought, you know, how badly I want to hunt her down and just, you know, grab her by the hair and say, you set a bad standard for all of us, you know. But as I've studied her, and I studied that word virtuous, and I've talked on that before here in Girlfriends, the word virtuous, I have realized over time that that word is so much deeper than what we realize. You know, so many times we think of the word virtuous as just meaning that she was pure, that she was, you know, just a good woman, that she took care of her family. But you see, the original Hebrew word for this is shayel, and it means a warlike spirit. So God was saying to the men, who can find a warrior who will fight in battle with him? Who will find a woman who's not afraid to get dirty in battle? You see, there are going to be times in your marriage and times in your family that you're going to have to war. It's not always going to be pedicures and manicures. You're going to have to get a little dirty sometimes to be able to fight and to see victories in your family. You see, in our family, we have walked through some times in our family. We have been married almost 18 years, and there have been some times in our family that I have had to get on my knees and fight for different things in our family. I've shared so many stories and girlfriends with all of you of the things that I have had to battle for, the things with my children, the time when Nate was little and he had asthma and the enemy wanted to kill him so bad. He wanted to take him out. He was sick from the day we brought him home until he was like a year old. I mean, it was just constant, nonstop. And I had to fight for him. And that fight wasn't, that fight didn't take place just at the doctor's office or giving him medication or any of those things. Excuse me. That fight took place on my knees, 
that fight took place with me crying out to God, saying, enemy, you are not going to take my child. You are not going to destroy him. You are not going to destroy his life and fighting for him. There were times, and I've shared with you, and Pat has shared from the pulpit about when a Satanist cult group tried to kidnap Nate when he was little and tried to kill him. I mean, you're talking about some fighting. I mean, nobody's going to let somebody just walk in and kill their family. Thank you, Enid. <laughs> um, nobody's going to just allow someone to come in and take their child. I had to fight. And when no one else could do anything about it, this mom was going to fight for her son. But it couldn't be done with a gun or with a, you know, anything like that. I got on my knees. Pat and I got on our knees and we cried out to God that he would protect our son, that he would deliver him from that. And God is so faithful to do above and beyond anything we could ever imagine. You see, there was a time when Nate was two years old. The enemy constantly tried to kill him, and we were in a head-on collision. And I have the scar to prove it. I had a disc removed from my neck and everything. The enemy wants to take you out, but you have to know how to intercede. You have got to know how to go to war for your family. Have I always known what to do? No. Have I dropped the ball at times? Yes. But we have to pick ourselves back up and get back in the battle, get back in the war, get back in there and fight for our families. Times with Abby, and all of you know that we adopted our daughter Abby from China, and she is just a gift from God to us. But the enemy tried to kill her so many times in the orphanage. We have reports of different things that happened and everything, and the enemy wanted to take her out. But God, I have so many but God moments in my life that I would not trade for anything. When the moments that I was going through them, I just wanted to cry out, where are you, God? But now that I look back on them, they're war stories. They're, here, they're victory stories in my life, and I wouldn't trade them for anything in my life. But you see, even as recent as my husband, your pastor, losing his sister last August, you know, losing his sister that he took care of all the time, and everything, and she passed away, August will be a year, but even as recent as then, you know, when I walk home, or I walk in the door one day, and there my husband sitting on the steps, just lost, didn't know what to do, he had lost his sister, and I wrapped my arms around him, and I went to battle for him, there are some of you that are things going on in your family. I fought for him. I spoke life over him. That is what we are called to do as women, as wives, as mothers, as teenagers, as just women in general. We are called to speak life and to do battle. You see, this may be a simple word for some of you, and you, some things that you think, well, I already know that. But you know what? We're not doing enough. We're not doing enough in our communities. We're not doing enough in our families. We're not doing enough with our children, or else we wouldn't be facing all the things that we're facing. But can I also tell you, when you're doing what God wants you to do, the enemy is going to attack you with everything he has in him. And are you prepared for that battle? Are you prepared what he comes against you with? But see, since starting this church, the Summit Church, God has been burning in my heart to call you to war. He's been calling me to war. He's calling me to a higher place. He's calling me to get up out of laziness and complacency and everything and saying, you know what? I am calling you to do battle for this city, for this state, for this nation. You are going to be a lighthouse to those around you. God is saying, I want to do something in this body that people around will just be amazed at what God is doing. It will call, call them to repentance. Whether or not they ever come to our church or not, it doesn't matter. Our job is to win the lost. Our job is to see people get saved and to find Christ. You see, 
we need to be called to a different kind of war, not against our husbands, not against our children, not against ourselves, as so often the enemy tries to use our warlike spirit to fight ourselves in insecurity and depression and discouragement and despair. You see, the enemy knows we have a warring spirit inside of us, and he will do anything to use it against us. You see, why can't we on Sundays come in and have prayer? Why can't we have meat for prayer in the mornings instead of just being more concerned about getting, you know, our breakfast? And I mean, all that's important, but we need to be battling. Why can't we have a prayer line for those people who are in need, who are sick? Why can't we have a time that we truly believe for their healing? Why can't we have an emergency outreach that women in this city rise up and say there will not be people who go hungry in our city. There will not be people, single moms, who have to do everything on their own. Why can't we have an outreach that reaches out to the elderly who can't get out to do what they need to do, who maybe need to have someone run errands for them or to do things for them? Where are the women who, and I know all of you are doing things, I'm just saying as in general, where are all the women who are... who are called to war, who are called to battle for this generation. You see, if we don't fight for them, who will? Where are the women? Why can't we have women who are fighting for their children in school, for their children who are going off to school, for the schools, for the teachers, for the things that they're facing there, for the teachers and the decisions that they have to make for your children? We need to be warring for that. You see, the enemy would love for an entire generation to rise up who doesn't know God. That would be the enemy's all-time greatest feat is for us to not do our job and for a generation to rise up who doesn't know God or what he's done in our lives. And I don't want that to happen. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You see, it may actually get dangerous in this room if we actually started to realize what God has called us to do. If we had actually could get a glimpse of what he had for our lives, of what he wanted us to be, what he wanted us to do, if we allow God to rise up in our spirit, and for us to step up to the challenge that he has for us. If we quit playing dead in hopes that someone else will fight the battle for us. You see, we can't keep waiting for someone else to fight for us. We have to suit up in our own armor and fight the battle that is in front of us. You see, we talk of revolution all the time, but when are we going to start acting? When are we going to start acting out those plans to take back what belongs to us in the spirit? See, Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the minds of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, in this building, I look across, and there are so many women. And the needs that are represented here in this building, the needs that are represented in the lives and the families in this room. But see, I need women who will rise up and say, I will pray. I will pray for the women. I will pray for their families. I will pray for the children. You see, I need ladies who aren't afraid to fight. I need ladies who are willing to enlist in something bigger than themselves who will enlist in something that says, I will not see anyone dropped by the wayside, who will fall by the wayside. I am going to rise up to the challenge and pray. 
See, we need miracles in this building. It's time to war. It's time to war for each other. You see, just as a mom will confront a bully or a gang member or anybody that's attacking their kids on the playground, let me tell you something. I'm a mom, and don't mess with my kids. You know, I mean, if I'm on the playground and some kid's picking on my daughter or, you know, pushing her around, I mean, I'm not afraid to confront. I'm not afraid to, hey, where's that parent? Where's the parent of that kid right there? You know, (laughs) it's like if I can't find the parent, I'm not afraid to walk up and say, leave my kid alone. You know, I mean, you don't mess with your kids. You don't mess with my kids. But the same way we confront that, we need to confront the enemy. Why are we always afraid to confront the enemy? When we have everything inside of us to defeat him, he has nothing on us. God says, I have given you all the weapons of warfare that you need to fight this enemy. God declared that there would be war between us and Satan. You see, in Genesis 3.15, Pat preached about this on Sunday, that when God spoke to the snake in the garden, he said, there will be war between you and the woman. I mean, how awesome is that, that God decided that we would be the ones that would be in battle against the enemy? It's like, hello, there's a man. <laughs> Couldn't you send him? Go you know, go before me. I'll, t- I'll pick up the scraps. <laughs> you know? But God said there would be war between us and Satan. You see, I believe that what God was literally saying is, okay, big boy, you want to mess with the woman? You picked the battle with the wrong person. Okay, you picked a battle with a woman. Now you're going to have to do war with the the, you know, the woman who is of all creation. You know, I believe that God just sat back and laughed when he said that, you know, okay, you, there's going to be war between you and the woman. Okay, good luck. <laughs> you know, because, you know, we can be vicious people at times. But, you know, I, I don't know that the enemy truly knew what he was getting into when he picked that battle with us. I believe when he was in the garden, he picked Eve because I think he thought she was weak. But, see, I think God had a bigger plan And he says, you're not weak at all. See, you're going to rise up and you're going to defeat the enemy in your life. See, we are called to push like in childbirth. And there are a few of you here who are going to know what that feels like pretty soon. But but we are called to push like in childbirth. You see, this is our moment in time. We can make a difference. We can say that we lived in the generation that changed the world, that changed the mentality. You see, ladies, if we as women can come to the point of death, to the brink of death in childbirth and still live, then what on earth are we afraid of? I mean, we face the harshest thing. I mean, I'm not trying to scare you or anything. You will live and everything. But it's the closest that you come to death, and yet you live. And it's meant for you to live. And so what on earth are we afraid of when, when we have that much ability inside of us to survive? There's nothing that can take us out. But we walk around afraid and timid and afraid to step out and to take back all the things the enemy has taken from us. You see, the Bible is full of heroes that are women. And I love studying them because, you see, if we can come to those places, but sometimes we get so busy running around doing all of our stuff, doing all of our busyness, but there are times when we need to come to war, where we need to go to war, that we have to fall on our knees, clear our calendar, you know, forget our schedule, and say, wait a minute, there is something wrong. If you have been spending time in prayer, there are times in your life where you're at home and the Holy Spirit will just come in and say, something's not right. 
something's not right with your kids. Something's not right in your marriage. Something's not right at work. Something that's not right with, you know, someone in your family. Pray. Intercede. Last night, I was uh, getting home. I don't remember where I was coming home from. Uh, high fly with Abby. And it had not even started raining yet. I had just left high fly. And um, at about the time I got to the red light there leaving, uh, it just, a downpour came. And Nate was supposed to be at uh, football practice until about 7.30. And it was nowhere near that. And, um, but all of a sudden it just overwhelmed me that I needed to pray for him that I needed to pray for protection, pray for all of his friends, pray for, you know, all those guys that were out there on the football field. And about the time I got home, Nate gets home, and it was just storming and hailing and, you know, everything else. And he gets home, he goes, Mom, you haven't been answering your phone. And I had forgot I had put it on silent earlier in the day at staff meeting. And um, so he goes, I've been trying to call you. He said it was storming so hard I couldn't see in front of me. And he said I had to pull over into a parking lot. And right when I did, Mom, he said... Uh, lightning struck a tree at the stop sign I was about to be at and the uh, tree just fell over and crashed you know in front of the stop sign he said I would have been hit and I couldn't even get in touch with you (laughs) and so you know but I had been praying because God had just prompted me to pray for him and you know do I always act upon those things no but I hope that I will you know and we have to be in tune to that we have to war for our family But the first woman in Scripture is Deborah. And I just love studying women in the Bible. You know, and until you start studying them, you don't think there's that many that have really done anything of significance and everything. But there are so many women in the Bible who, you know, I believe God just put them in there sporadically through the Bible to say, hey, you can do something. Hey, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't accomplish anything. Hey, here's one. You know, I think God just sporadically throws them in there to let us know. I didn't forget you. You're going to war. You're going to win, you know. But I'm reminded of Deborah, the prophetess, who did war in Judges 4 and 5 against the evil prince. You see, Judges 4.14 says, Then Deborah said to Barak, and I won't say Barak because then it sounds like I'm, you know, coming against, you know, the candidates and everything. But, (laughs) so I'll say it differently. (laughs) But then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men, and at Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. You see, the enemy should be fleeting from us as we're advancing towards him. It shouldn't be the other way around. But so many times we're fleeing, thinking, oh, the devil's coming, oh, the devil's coming. But you know what? I want him to start fleeing from me. I want me to be able to start standing up, quoting the scriptures, quoting the word of God, staring him in the face, saying, the Bible says this, I'm standing on the promises of God, and you're going to have to flee. That's the way it was intended to be. But you see, Deborah would sit and listen to the people, and they would ask her to get a word from God because they knew that she had spent time in his presence, in God's presence. And when she went to pray, she called for angels to destroy the enemy's armies. How many of you would like that kind of relationship with God where I'm going to prayer and I'm like, okay, God, you know what? I need you to really just right there, you know, (laughs) just take them out right there. (laughs) But you know what? She had such a relationship. The enemies of God, she was able to call down the angels to destroy the enemies of God. She fought in prayer. So many times we lash out and we fight with words. We fight with actions. But God says, you know what? The best fighting you're ever going to do is when you get on your knees. 
That's the best kind of fighting that you can do. But how about Rahab? You know what? She's a prostitute. Not many like people like to talk about her and everything. And so many times we hear of women who come into the church who have a bad past or have done this or have been through this many divorces. But let me tell you something. Don't ever underestimate the power of God in someone's life. And don't ever underestimate the power of a testimony that God may have delivered someone from something and they may have walked through things. But let me tell you something. When God gets a hold of them, don't underestimate the power of God in their life. And we should never look down because none of us are righteous. None of us are without flaw. None of us have been, had led a perfect life. And in God's eyes, one sin is no different than the other. So if you told a white lie at the grocery store to a friend, you're in the same category as Rahab the prostitute. No difference in God's eyes. You see, in fact, she was introduced in the Bible when they wrote about her, a harlot named Rahab. You know, I am so glad that people don't introduce me by the flaws that I have in my life. <laughs> I mean, it would be a long list. People would lose interest and walk away before they got to my name. <laughs> so, but she was introduced, a harlot named Rahab. You see, this woman, she lived in a culture that was devoted to everything God hates. As far as we know, she actually had always been willing to participate in the perversion and even profited from it. You see, there's nothing that says that she didn't willingly do what she wanted, what she was doing, that it wasn't her profession of choice. Nowhere did it say that. You see, nothing in her life had been heroic up until that point, until the point where she heard about God, until the point that she came in contact with people who knew God, and she made a decision to stand up for something finally in her life. She protected the spies in Joshua 2 and she would become revered, so revered that she would be mentioned in Hebrews 31:11 or 11:31. You see in this scripture, she is specifically named, specifically singled out by name for the greatness of her faith. This chapter is re reserved for those who would be in the hall of faith. I mean a prostitute who's put in the hall of faith, mentioned alongside those who had done such great exploits for God. She even appears in the genealogy of Jesus. A harlot, a prostitute, what a hero. I mean, that she changed the entire course of her life by being obedient to God, by walking in faith. You see, she did a complete turnaround in her life and would end up in the genealogy of Christ. You see, there is nothing too big for God. You see, I love talking about Ruth. Ruth is one of my favorite people in the Bible. Her devotion, her commitment, her teachability. I mean, oh, that we would have more women who are teachable in our lives, young girls who are coming up who are teachable. But don't get, you're not off the hook if you're older because me as an older woman or anyone older than me even... Where have we lost the ability to pass down wisdom and the traits that God wants us to pass down to the younger generation? How can we hold them completely accountable for not following God when we have stopped teaching, when we have stopped passing on those things to them? There is accountability on both sides of the spectrum. You see, she was committed. She committed herself to follow God after being mentored by a godly woman. See, she came from such an ungodly nation, but she encountered a woman who actually knew God. And she said, I want what she has. I want to follow what she has. She was mentored by a godly woman, and she got up, and she went to find food so that her and Naomi wouldn't die. She was teachable. You see, her undying devotion to Naomi, a godly woman, 
led her to her redemption, and she too would be in the genealogy of Christ. You see, she had no reason to be in that position, but because she devoted herself to something she found to be true, which was God, he blessed her in all ways in every area of her life. What about the widow woman? We don't even know her name. The Bible just says the widow woman. You know, the Bible is so good at labeling, you know, people, but it's for a purpose. You see, this was the widow woman. She should have been a weak woman. She should have been a woman without anything to her name. But see, she had a fight left in her. Second Kings 4, 1 through 7 says, The woman went to Elijah the prophet and said, Hey, I need your help. The creditor is taking my boys away from me. They're all I have. They're everything. And the creditor's knocking to take them. She knew how to fight for her family. She didn't let pride get in the way of fighting for her family. She was obedient and faithful, and because of that, God blessed her. But the person I love, I mean, I love them all. I mean, can you tell that? I love the Shunammite woman because this woman, I can... I can so relate to this woman because there have been deaths in my life, in my heart, in different areas that I have walked through, that I decided that I wouldn't see death, I would see life in the midst of it. And God resurrected the things that were alive. And that's where we have to be at time. In 2 Kings 4, 8, the Shunammite woman went to Elijah when her son had died. She reminded, hey, I built you a prophet's house. Now you help me. She wasn't afraid to confront, wasn't afraid to say, I need a miracle. You see, help me now. I have been faithful. I have done the things I need to do. She refused to believe what everyone else saw in the natural. There are some of you in here who need to stop looking at what you see in the natural and start believing the promises of God for your family, for your life. You see, she saw what God wanted her to see. She saw life. She refused to believe the world's diagnosis or the world's outcome. She saw those things that are not as though they were. And there have been times in my life, and I know in all of your lives, where you have had to look in the mirror and say, I know this is what I see in the natural, but I am believing those things that are not as though they were. I am declaring the victory of God in my life. I am declaring victory over discouragement, victory over despair, victory over depression. I am not a defeated woman. I am not a victim. I am victorious, and I am a warrior for Christ. And you have to encourage yourself sometimes to remind yourself. But how about Esther? In Esther, the fourth chapter, she realized she had the power to turn the heart of the king around and save her people. She stopped being just a beauty queen or a trophy wife. She, that's all she had been up until that point. She had just been some, you know, something he could be proud of to show off. But she stopped being those things and became a threat to Haman, who was trying to kill the people. You see, a threat to the kingdom of darkness. She used her gift as a woman to save an entire nation. See, not to bring glory to herself. You see, every one of us in here, every woman has the gift of persuasion. But how do we choose to use it? In a godly manner? For our own glory? Or how? See, we all have that gift inside of us that God has given you to use for a purpose, for a reason. But see, then there was Abigail. In 1 Samuel 25:18. she begged David to spare her husband's life because he was such a jerk. You know, he was such an evil man. She begged him to save his life, and her husband Nabal, Nabal was an evil man, and David spared his life. 
But she still, and she fought for him even though he was evil. Some of us need to remember that we are called to a higher purpose. Things around us may not seem like they deserve attention, but we have got to give them attention and fight for that. But see, her husband wouldn't change, and he had a heart attack. And later, David would marry her and redeem her throughout that. You see, ladies, it is time for war. Our kids are about to go back to school. For those of you in here who have children and are about to go into school for the first time, who is fighting for them? What are we doing to prepare for that battle? What are we doing to prepare for that war? I have one going in as a junior in high school and one going in as a kindergartner. My life is about to be turned upside down. I had better be fighting. My 16-year-old is being introduced to things that I don't even know about half the time. My 5-year-old is about to be introduced to things that she has never been introduced to before. What am I doing to cover her in prayer? What am I doing to fight for her when she's not ready to fight for herself? How am I covering her? You see, when you pack their lunches in the morning, you better hope that you're packing them with prayer, that you are not only praying for them, but teaching them to pray for themselves, but teaching them to have a relationship with God. See, the enemy has laid out traps for them, for you, for your family, for your husband. See, we have to lay down all of our insecurities and rise up to our calling. You see, we need Hannah's who will say, God, give me a son so that I can give him back to you. They're not for you alone. God owns them. He's theirs. You see, we have to be not afraid to walk out our faith alone sometime. Hannah was the only one believing that she was going to have a son. You know, her husband had come to the fact, I'll just give her a double blessing. You know, every time we go to the temple to pray, you know, I'll just bless her more since she doesn't have any kids. But she continued to believe. Sometimes, ladies, we always want somebody who will join in with us. There's always got to be a Thelma and Louise, you know, couple who, you know, you have an accomplice with you at all times. But you know what? Sometimes there's times where you're going to have to walk out your faith alone, and that's okay. Are you strong enough in your faith to walk alone when there's no one else to walk beside you? That's where I want to be. You see, We have to be not afraid to walk alone sometimes. We need Marys in here who will believe in their son even when they're crucifying him. You see, she believed because she knew his message was truth. We have to stand on the truth and not waver by every little thing that happens around us. So I want to ask you tonight, will you show up at the tomb? Will you show up at that tomb? You see, remember who got up early that morning to wash the body of Christ? In Mark 16, there were three women who got up to go and wash the body of Christ. They would arrive and find that he had already risen in their lives. I mean, how many times, how awesome it is on those moments where you have been praying, you've been praying, and you get up that one last morning so early to pray and realize that God has answered your prayer already. You see, these women went, and he had already risen, but these three represented so much in our lives. First, there was Mary Magdalene. She represented what sin did. She was once tormented, but now she was free. She had given everything, committed her entire life to him. The second was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She represented new life and purity. But the third woman I absolutely love. Her name was Salome, and her name means covering or peaceful. She was the mother of Peter and John. She represented the Holy Spirit. See, what I love about her is that she had bought into her son's ministry. She had bought into what they had done and was joining in the fight. I mean, can you imagine? She knew these sons, the two sons that she had raised their entire life, 
were probably going to lose their life for Christ. But yet she bought into it anyway. She believed in it that much. She believed in Christ so much. You see, what I loved about her was that she was willing to give her children to God. She... She's not seen much in the Bible. She's kind of behind the scenes. She's just raising godly kids and everything. She doesn't need a lot of attention. But she raised two boys, not just one. It's hard enough to raise one (laughs) for God. But she raised two boys who would be the closest to Jesus. Wow. I mean, that's what I call a hero mom, to raise two sons who would be the closest to Jesus. You see, God helped me to raise two children that I have that all they want to do is to be so close to Jesus, even unto death. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, such a high calling. You see, these women were warriors. Everyone else was either sleeping or hiding. They went out into the danger and into the darkness that morning. See, we need to get up and go to the tomb, ladies. Your Jesus is risen. You are not alone. In whatever you're facing, you are not alone. You see, recently when Nate was preaching in Singapore, I did not want to let him go. I know that's an awesome opportunity, but Pat was already in New Zealand, which means Nate would have to travel without Pat or I all the way to another country. And we sent him with one of our students. But, you know, it's not the same as mom and dad. I mean, who's going to make sure he doesn't lose his passport or his money or somebody doesn't kidnap a six-foot, you know, 200-pound kid? (laughs) But, you know, I didn't want him to go. I was worried. And in that moment, you know... In the midst of that worry, but I felt so blessed, you know, and I thought, God, this is the boy that I had to fight so hard, the enemy, for his life when he was a baby. And I was sitting there and I was remembering all the things, the Satan's cult group, you know, the the car accident, the asthma, and I was remembering all of this stuff. And God said, if I saved him from all of that, you think I'm going to let anything happen to him now? I've got something so awesome for him. And when Pat called me that night, and, you know, Nate had preached that night, and he said, Karen, it was the most awesome thing I've ever seen. It was the most powerful message I've ever heard in my life. And I just thanked God for blessing me so much because it was, he could be out hanging out with his friends or doing whatever, and he gave up all that to go do that. And there were kids at that conference that were just laid out crying out to God. You see, as he preached and was obedient, God allowed him to see what it was all about, to see those kids laid out crying out to God and to let him see that it wasn't about him. It was about God. It had nothing to do with him. He just had to be obedient. And that's all God wants for us, for us to be obedient, because I had dreamed that the enemy would kill him. I had dreamed that the enemy was going to try to take him out. But see... The enemy just tries to work in fear. But what are we afraid of? We have the tools inside of us to defeat him. You see, Salome, in in the statement above, she would lose her sons for Christ. See, in this woman, you have an example of a woman who wouldn't lay down and play dead. And she experienced resurrection. Some of you need to experience resurrection in your life. You need to go back to the place where your faith died. Go back to the place where the enemy entombed you. Expect a miracle tonight. Go back to where your faith got interrupted. 
and declare victory in your life. You see, the miracle is closer than you think or else the enemy wouldn't be attacking you so strongly. You see, ladies, there are things that we can do to prepare for war. See, it's time to get free from old battles because the Bible says that the battle belongs to the Lord. Number one, no matter what is in your past, you cannot live in old wars. You cannot let your past dictate your future in any way, shape, or form. Number two, you have to develop a desire to win again. There are some of you who have given up, who are just content with losing the battle, who are just content with not winning anymore. When did you lose your desire to win? I am competitive by nature. Everything Pat and I do, from having girlfriends and Valiant, who can see the most people there? I mean, we're competitive. I don't want to lose. And I certainly don't want to lose to the enemy. So when did you lose that? Resurrect your faith. You see, number three, ask yourself, when did they put your Jesus in a tomb? Rise up early and go after him. Find him. Start getting up and finding him early in the morning before your day even begins, before anything can happen. Seek him and you shall find him. He is waiting on you. Number four, go back to what you learned in basic training. Let me tell you something. I have been through some rough roads, some rough times in my life, and I'm not going to let it all be for nothing. I have, you know, war scars. I have things, you know, that I have went through in my life. And let me tell you something. If I've got to walk through them, I ain't walking through them again. Okay, I want the things that I have walked through in my life to push me forward, to make me stronger. Learn from those things. Each victory in your life should give you a new weapon to fight the enemy the next time he attacks because you have survived it. Number five, pick up your weapons. Don't fight naked. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. Our struggles are not against flesh and blood. They're against rulers, authorities, powers of darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You see, put on the full armor of God. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, let your feet be fitted with readiness. Take up the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, so many times we run out into a battle against the enemy thinking, well, I can just speak this to him, speak to this. But have you spent time with God? Have you spent time in your prayer closet? Have you filled your heart with the word of God? There's times where I've run out thinking, well, I'm in the ministry. I should just be able to say, you know, be gone and everything. But you know what? If I don't have relationship with God, it doesn't mean anything. The enemy says, I don't recognize you. You haven't been in the presence of God. You know, you're not a threat to me. But we have to prepare ourselves. Put on the full armor of God. Prepare. Number six, realize God has never left. Hebrews promises that. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Number seven, understand if you are passive to the enemy, he will take over. You have to fight. Number eight, clean house. Fight for your home. Pray in the spirit. Turn on worship in your home. Don't be freaky about it like you're just a super spiritual. But just walk in God's presence. Stand up to your kids. Don't let your kids dictate the atmosphere of your home. You're the adult. You're the one who's supposed to lead by example, not just by shouting. Lead by example. Dictate that atmosphere by welcoming the presence of God into your home. Lay hands on your children, not violently, but pray with them. You know, <laughs> take them by the hand, even when you want to lay hands violently on them, and pray with them. Ask your husband to pray. Let him lead. Let him be the leader in your home. Turn off the TV. Turn off the Internet at times. 
Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people who are called by na- my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Guard who you fight with, ladies. Friends will influence your faith. Stop listening to negative talk. There is life and power of life and death in the tongue. Don't listen to negative talk. Speak life. Speak truth. Be a life giver. Number 10, your battle is not personal. The enemy isn't attacking you because it's personal. He wants to make everyone fail. Your battle is not personal. It's spiritual. See, the enemy has but one goal, and that is to take you out. And he wants to take you out so that he will make an example of you to all you have influence with, your family. If he takes you out, most likely he will take your kids out because they're watching you every day. They're watching everything you do. But you see, I need some ladies to enlist tonight, to enlist in the army for God. And I know it's silly. It's just like that song we sing in children's church. You know, I'm in in God's army. Yes, sir. You know, but it's so true. I want to be in that army. I want to be in the right army. I want to be fighting on the right side. God wants us to fight. See, I need some women in here who have had enough of what the devil has to dish out. I need some women who will stand up and say, I am going to fight for my family. You see, it's time for all of us to fall on our faces and cry out that God would give us a warrior heart. If everyone would stand with me. And I know it's late. And if we don't get to play games, I'm okay with that. But we will take time to do some things and everything. But what I want right now If you'll raise your hand right now, and I'll be the first one to raise it and say, I want God to place a warrior spirit in me. How many of you would say that? How many of you would be honest and say, you know what? There's some areas I'm slipping in. There's some areas that I'm not fighting for. There's some areas that I'm fighting the wrong things. But I want God to place a warrior spirit in my life. A virtuous heart. A heart that runs after him. And if that's you, I just want everyone to step up right now and come to this altar and let's spend some time in prayer. Because you know what? We've not had this altar before at Girlfriends. And I just praise God for it. I praise God that he gave us this building. I praise God that he gave all of you to be a part of what God's doing in the city. And I believe that each one of you is such an intricate part of what God wants to accomplish in this city. I think each one of you have something to bring to the battle. And if you would right now, I'm just calling you to come forward. As fun as all the games are, you can go home and say, I want it, Yahtzee. Or you can go home and say, I touch God tonight. So if you would, just come forward. And if the leaders will come forward. And if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. If you just want time in God's presence, then that's great. But just spend some time in God's presence tonight. And if there's things that you need to war for, don't leave here without fighting it out. And God just, you and God, just fighting that battle. If your family needs a miracle financially in your marriage, if you've got kids that are walked away, have walked away from God, don't you know he wants them home just as bad as you do? And he loves them so much. So we're just opening this altar tonight for you just to cry out to God. Leaders, if you'll walk around and let's begin to pray.
thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.